Hello and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And I am Sebastian. And uh, maybe I should speak more quietly for, uh, for all of our listeners, uh, our gay listeners in Toronto who are, I am confident, nursing a hangover mm-hmm. as, uh, as the Toronto Pride Parade uh, did just wrap up. Uh, what a what a what a weekend full of pride and uh, also some sorrow. And I think we'll we'll get into the more serious issue uh, of that uh, later. We are of course going to be talking about the terror event that happened in Oslo uh, mm-hmm. just uh, you know, moments prior to the beginning of their, their pride uh, campaign. Uh, sorry, the pride parade. Um, And uh, a little later as well, we have a a fantastic uh, interview with Jeffrey Soto, uh, the author of, oh my gosh, it's got got a long title, but it's essentially The Invasion of the Tennis Club uh, by the Straits, uh, Game Gasp, Moonballs, The Invasion. Dot, 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 Gay Gasp. Gay Gasp. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, does it? Is it just? A, is it? Is are all gasps by gay men gay gasps, or does it have to be like a more <gasps> kind of gasp? I mean, how does one? How does? How would one define that? I mean, well, I, I think the gay gasp is the auditory counterpart to the visual of clutching your pearls. So I think yes, yes. clutching the pearls and the gay gasp are two halves of one whole. So. Uh, the the it, it's really just visual versus auditory. Although I, I am gonna say that I like I like titles that have punctuation mm-hmm. in them. You know, there there's a, a lot of bands that I like that have punctuation in the middle. Like there's a band called Giraffes Question Mark Giraffes Exclamation Mark that I like, and the Godspeed You Exclamation Point Black Emperor. Like it's great. I, I, I like it when there's in the middle where it doesn't belong. It's fantastic, and Absolutely. he has an ellipse. I love his title. Unnecessary. Yeah. Grammar is yeah. what you look for in, in yeah. subtitles. All right, I love it. <laughs> uh, we don't have any unnecessary grammar uh, for the songs today. We've got Tegan and Sarah Lights and Alanis Morissette. Uh, I was actually inspired by our favorite uh, uh, bisexual lady that we have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and I curated a bit of a, a lesbian feel a playlist uh, to, to reflect that. But before we get into Cloud9 by Antigone and Sarah, a little, a little later in the show, um, let's start off with the fact that Canada saw a number of prides taking place uh, this past weekend. If you were in Victoria, British Columbia, you would have seen uh, some folks marching through. Uh, one of the stations that syndicates our show, CFUVFM, uh, also, I believe, uh, have a vehicle in, in that parade. Now, somewhere that didn't have a huge amount of vehicles, which I thought was a little surprising, uh, I saw a lot of footage, a lot of friends at uh, Toronto Pride, including mm-hmm. many of our friends in common. Uh, the first big Pride to be happening in person post, uh, maybe not post-pandemic, but sort of in the... the uh, we're in the, we're pandemic, the dregs of it. Pandemic the, light area. Yeah, yeah, final stages. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, pandemic light. I think I'll, I think I'll go with that one. Um, but uh, I think the word you're looking from, for is endemic. Endemic. Oh, yeah. Really endemic. I don't know. Pandemic yeah. light just seems like Pepsi is trying to brand <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the feel I'm going for. Pandemic um, clear. Pandemic New pandemic. Clear. Yes. Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying is lots of prides happened this past weekend. Right. And uh, first of all, 
let's congratulate where that needs to happen and that is that lots of smaller events took place and i say small mm-hmm. in terms of the scale of the millions of people that show up for for the pride parade mm-hmm. but lots of church services senior pride events yep. you know francophone yep. pride events uh, uh, indigenous uh, arabic you know all of these communities mm-hmm. gathered in smaller numbers Yep. Uh, but in communities that are far more nuanced to their own identities, and that happens all over, that happened all over the GTA. It's something that the executive director of Toronto Pride indicated was going to happen. And the smaller was, events well, are always received. the better events. We we've mentioned this many times in the past that uh, Pride gets known for the huge parades and the beer gardens and the free festivals where uh, uh, Cindy Lauper shows up and does not sing her. Ba- biggest hits um but it, it's a lot of the smaller events that are a lot more personal like i years ago i went to an event for uh, it was targeting gay men with ibs but it was open to the general public and it, it was a make your own sauerkraut workshop uh which doesn't sound very pridey but it was i don't know it was super interesting met a lot of interesting people there i mean that's pretty niche it is pretty niche. workshop <laughs> for specifically gay men with IBS. I mean, that's that's. I mean, you're not pulling from a very large pool there. I mean, I don't know if you're a gay man with IBS and would love a sauerkraut workshop. <laughs> me, tweet us at TalkCanqueer, <laughs> and uh, maybe we can make something happen for for next year. I mean, it's interesting. Like the family pride event, I love the family pride events. Um, oh yeah, just from the the wholesomeness of it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's so great that way. But apparently, it's just you know, water guns and hot dogs. It's, like, it's water guns and hot dogs and yeah. like crafts. Yeah, crafts yeah. that now these parents have to put on a fridge or hope the child forgets about. And then uh, mm-hmm. I, I won't give the game away because there might be some children listening. But you know, <laughs> essentially, folks have been, I mean, you know, these family pride events are fantastic. But we heard about, you know, we heard about not enough washrooms or washrooms that aren't big enough so that you can change the children at these events. Mm. You know, in one of the biggest things to come out of this Pride uh, festival this past weekend was uh, just the lack of access to water. Mm. But I feel like this happens, I say every Pride, because the last two years exempt from that but when mm. you're out in the hot sun and it has been pretty balmy the last uh, the last you know couple of weeks when you're out mm-hmm. in the hot sun for ages you know you need to have some some water um really interesting approach by toronto pride this year in that there were no barricades in large portions of the parade like mm. only some of the parade route is barricaded so you got i'm willing to bet it was corners and stuff because people tend to tighten up around the corners and it makes it hard for the floats yeah. to, to get around them. So I, I know that few vehicles as well. Yeah. So far less vehicles, hmm. far less floats, lots more marching people. But, you know, we saw lots of comments happening about uh, folks being inappropriately touched as they were trying to march through in the parade because there's mm. no barrier between you and the crowd. Um, and in many occasions, you know, you couldn't see where the parade was and the crowd started. It sort of merged into a mass of people. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the best uh, best approach, uh, but it seems like they took security very seriously this year. There were initially lots of bank searches at uh, various events. Uh, hmm. Pride Toronto kept emphasizing, you know, try not to bring a bag if you can possibly avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they were doing bag checks and that was leading to massive lines yeah, as yeah, people yeah. were trying to get into these events. But I'm sure you recall, you know, even, you know, big Canada Day parade events, you know, the big one that happened uh, during the pandemic and, and people were trying to, you know, you know, distance and so on. And that line was snaking around for blocks and blocks, mm -hmm, you know, and yeah. a lot of critiques about the speed of processing that. I think if anyone's going to a large event these days, security is a very serious concern. Yep. Some of these events, them. they're they're not necessarily poking your bag for weapons or anything dangerous. Sometimes they are, but often they're looking for uh, drugs and alcohol, which if you bring in outside, uh, let's say, consumables uh there is a long history of bad things happening you're in the hot sun you remember to bring whatever your your revelry of choices let's say gin to keep it nice and uh moderate we'll say g-rated uh but you forgot to bring water with you so you mm -hmm. dehydrate faster and then you get heat stroke so this is uh, a common issue that they have and in the end they're they're i don't know if they're liable but they're definitely responsible when you're on their yeah. their grounds I mean, it's a challenge because Pride Toronto finds itself in a position where they have all of these stages. They mm -hmm. outsourced uh, with private security to make it happen. This happens a lot in, in various events as well. Mm -hmm. So as these private securities, some of them wouldn't accept health cards. Some oh. of them were confused by the Ontario ID card. Okay. Um, you know, and... Most, you know, most concerning as well is, you know, reports of some trans folks who may be at various points in their transition and maybe not uh, directly matching up to the, the ID. That's mm -hmm. something that, you know, both me and you have actually yeah. trained police recruits on, you yep. know, specifically when you're considering the trans community. Um, maybe that training was not as thorough, even potentially missing. One of the challenges that, that does come up is sometimes... You know, the, the new ID is in the mail. There's no solution for that. I don't look like my ID. There's a new one coming. It just, it showed up late. And mm -hmm. there is no solution uh, sometimes. So, I mean, I mean it's it, yeah. it's complicated, you know? There was a contingent from the Ukraine, and uh, I'll get to that in a second. But I think what it does is it highlights that not all people participating in Pride have government-issued ID. You know, mm. or Canadian yes. IDs, and who carries a passport to a pride parade? But uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I wouldn't take my passport to the, although my passport is expired. So I mean, I could take it. Not that it would help anybody. <laughs> um, it's a small paperweight. It can hold down two sheets of paper. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Um, lots of things. I think overall, the sense I've got from folks at uh, Toronto Pride was that it was a lot of fun. I yep. think people are so thrilled to be back at in-person events. What is interesting, not many people know this, but there was, uh, you know, Pride organizers, they talk to each other, they, they have mm -hmm. conversations. And in the before times, prior to the pandemic, there was a bit of a gentleman's agreement between the big major Pride events, Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, mm -hmm. um, and even New York and a couple of the other big ones, where essentially yep. you would not happen on the exact same day because the tourism dollars, yes. you know, gay men, two incomes, no children, would travel mm -hmm. to these major Pride events, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, New York. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in it seems like a lot of Pride parades have just started up in you know in the you know this pandemic light period that we're talking about yeah and it seems like no one shared a memo 
because New York, <laughs> New York Pride and Toronto Pride happened at the same time. I believe was it San Francisco and Chicago also happened this past weekend. Yeah, I and, think so. Yeah, and Dublin. Although I don't know if Dublin's a you know a huge draw for the North American gay tourist. But the the point is that you know a lot of these major cities where people mm -hmm. would travel, spend money in hotels. Uber, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, local restaurants. So many of them uh, happened on the same weekend. Quite, uh, quite unusual. And a lot of the different dates is also a reflection of local history as well. So New York, obviously, is going to be celebrating the anniversary of the Stonewall Riot. Uh, Toronto is supposed to be on the anniversary of Operation Soap. Um, uh, Ottawa is on the anniversary of the death of Alain. I thought it was the We Demand protest. Was it the We Demand protest? I think it was the We Demand protest, yeah. Oh, that uh, actually that happened a year and a week after uh, another incident. But anyway, like it, the local history in each individual city, uh, San Francisco. It's I can't remember if it's when Harvey Milk got elected or when he got assassinated, but it's one of those two. So it, it's also supposed to be a reflection of you know local history, and there is this sort of growing. A voice within the community that not everything has to be about Stonewall. Uh, obviously, we're going to acknowledge it. We're not going to ignore it. It was a very critical moment. But in many ways, that was local history to New York City that happened to spell out. And if your own local community has your own local history, you should acknowledge that. So there has been a shift over the years towards that. But I think there was just this rush not rush a push an emphasis a something sort of a to, homogenization to do it. almost you know a standardization yeah. but i don't know I, I like the fact that homogenization is homo in it the, yeah yeah but end of june beginning yeah. of july around that area and everyone's kind of drifting towards that mm -hmm. which on the one hand uh it does mean that um corporations don't have to cynically put rainbows on everything and we all have to pretend like they actually care for two months straight. Your, your optimism here is astonishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was actually, we didn't have time to talk about it last week, but there was a meme that came out of uh, Germany um, about three weeks ago where people started texting, not texting, tweeting major German corporations and just say, just sell soap, just sell cars. Um, because it was things like Volkswagen or Mercedes or Armani changing their logo, but they were all corporations that also like historically had a relationship with the bad man regime in the, the 30s and 40s. And they're like, you have a bad history. Don't do that. Just sell cars. Like, stop it with the rainbow stuff, not you. So and that was that was very much a German thing. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, I, I will always stand by Second Cup. They were the first major corporation in Canada to extend uh, same-sex benefits, uh, to, to partner benefits to same-sex couples, I should clarify. Um, so, like, for me... When Second Cup puts a rainbow on their thing, that means something, you know. Yes, and then yeah. kids in the hall also There's focused on that follows it. Like yeah, it, it's a cultural thing, you know. But mm. like, eh, I don't know if, if Tim Hortons needs to do it. Like, eh, well, do it, don't... I, it was interesting. I mentioned earlier that uh, there was a, a Ukrainian uh, delegation marching in the Toronto Pride Parade. What was really heartening to see in yet another Pride Parade that happened last weekend, yeah. uh, or yes, you know, last weekend, is uh, in Warsaw in Poland. The Warsaw Pride and Kiev Pride had a joint parade 
because uh, of course Ooh. you know with with the war in the Ukraine yeah. um, you know it's not really a conducive environment to to marching uh, in a pride parade mm-hmm. um, whilst you're being invaded by the Russians so with that being said uh, you know Warsaw pride and Kiev pride kind of teamed up and, and had a sort of joint parade which is actually really quite cool and uh, quite a powerful moment happening there um, mm. Less powerful moment happened over in uh, in Turkey, and I believe it was in Istanbul, where I think 325 or 26 people were arrested as uh, Erdogan, uh, you know, yet again has cracked down. I think initially the ruling against, like his rules against pride parades in Turkey uh, related to... I think he was cracking down on attempted coups at the time, mm-hmm. a sort of a, a pessimism against large groups of people who may try and hold folks accountable. Um, but anyway, the uh, you know about 300 people gathered in Istanbul for another pride parade, uh, and that was you know hundreds of people were arrested as uh, as a result of that. Now that you know it's I don't know it seems to go both ways. Like some parades have done really well, like Warsaw, other parades like in Istanbul. Uh, was Poland is interesting as well. They've really turned around on some of their optics uh, just in the past year, even like there was a huge push at the federal level there to say because uh, they had that issue with the, the no gay zones and uh, little m- local municipalities who said that they were they weren't going to allow shops to put rainbow sticker stickers in their windows and they weren't going to allow LGBT organizations and whatnot. And the, the feds basically said, if you're going to be homophobic, that's your business. Do it on your own time. Don't integrate it into the law. That's not what we're all about, uh, which is kind of a weird and interesting splitting the difference approach. And it's the approach that Canada had in the 60s, where it was like, you know, you can do it on your own time, but we're not putting it at the federal level anymore. And just seeing that that this is that Poland has come this far, that they're they're also doing like a supportive pride event yeah. for another country that can't do their own. So it's kind of fascinating to see how different countries are are shifting all over the place well about 1.1 million ukrainians are you know being housed in poland as uh, having fled their, their refugees according to unhcr and uh, you know there's about 11 11 different pride organizations from kiev and ukraine that marched in this equality parade but uh-huh. you're right. I mean, it was the largest parade. A couple of thousand people or a few thousand people showed up to this parade in in, uh, in Warsaw. Um, you know, it was the largest one in Eastern Europe by, by quite a margin. But you're really? right. Yeah, there was... Even uh, Serbia. But, I mean, I haven't got the, the numbers <laughs> on Serbia off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Poland was having this sort of tilt to the right. But I Mm -hmm. think what the Russian invasion of the Ukraine has presented is on one side of the equation, you have Europe, Poland, Western Mm -hmm. Europe, where pride identities are more specifically, not necessarily pride identities, but rather no discrimination based solely on gender identity and uh, sexual orientation and gender expression. Mm-hmm. You know, right, th- these are countries where you do not discriminate based on these things. That's, you know, a core European value mm-hmm. versus the country that's trying to invade you, which is actively <laughs> actively discriminating, shutting down LGBT organizations and flying them off to Chechnya where they've uh, endured with a purge. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly... Uh, you know, when you've got such a stark contrast as Ukrainians have, mm. and how even the Poles have, where their neighbor is, is facing this 
quite dire, you know, comparison. Yeah, uh, I yeah, can yeah. see why folks in Poland are thinking maybe a small parade is not. Uh, it's not the worst. Not the worst thing that yeah. we possibly do. Yeah. Now you had some news about some some of the North American parades. Yeah, there was an incident uh, yesterday. So for those who are listening to the podcast, yesterday being Sunday, uh, Sunday the 26th in New York City and San Francisco, two separate events. Uh, it do- They don't seem to be linked, uh, not deliberately anyway, where just as it happens, individuals showed up to both parades and decided to throw fireworks. And uh, it was ambiguous. There weren't many... there. Uh, Last time I read, and this is very fresh news, so no witnesses have stepped forward so far, it doesn't look like fireworks were thrown at the crowd or into the crowd. It looks like they were just set off. Um, But what happened was there was a panic uh, about firearms. And in both cases, there was a great number of people leaving the scene all at once. And it was described as being almost a stampede. And we say almost because nobody got trampled and hurt. Uh, as far as we know, there were no injuries at either event, so that is positive. Um, and to some degree, this is you know, people reacting because of the recent news in Oslo, but also people are a little bit on edge on account of uh, Buffalo and Uvalde. There, there's, mm-hmm. It's just that mass shootings are on people's minds in the U.S., so there was a panic that happened. Um, I think... Probably in Canada would be less likely to happen, but crowds are hard to predict, and, and it's they, on uh, edge. And, yeah, you know. Well, so at this point in time, it is so fresh. There is very little follow up. They're they're trying to see what they can find. There is some footage of the scene, and last I checked, uh, police are still combing through what they can find. If there's something they know that I don't know, it's because it's been less than twenty four hours since the event happened. So unfortunately, it's very fresh, but um, there is a worry that this kind of thing could happen uh, again somewhere else in the U.S. because crowds are are very much on edge, especially in the U.S. where uh, gun crime and mass shootings are uh, having a little bit of an uptick, certainly in the media and in people's consciousness, if not reality. So I don't know. It's it's pretty worrying. I think that transitions nicely to uh, the story in Oslo in Norway. Uh, so last weekend, uh, on Saturday, uh, on Saturday that just passed, uh, some folks may have heard, you know, in the hours running up to you know the Pride Parade that was scheduled to take part in Oslo, um, a gentleman who has been named by the media. The name was released by the police. Uh, mm-hmm. We won't be naming him on this. Uh, folks who are interested can Google him. Mm-hmm. Um, opened fire in three locations. Uh, the largest, most popular gay bar in in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe a, a tavern and also a, uh, a I think it's like a takeout restaurant uh, as well with uh, with a small arm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the London pub, the Huron Leeson Jazz Club and a takeaway restaurant. Uh, and as far as I was able to discern, I believe two people have died and mm-hmm. the number of people injured depends on how you define injured. I think that was one of the things that you. you yeah, something I found reading. Uh, the more I read, the more I realized that everyone was reporting the story very differently. And it was kind of confusing. Twenty people were struck by firearms, uh, you could say, 
mm-hmm. 10 of them just needed first aid 10 of them needed a trip to the hospital but they were not in critical condition um so 20 injured although some people are saying 10 and some people are saying zero because nobody ended up in, in critical care i mean what so we it, can say is that two people were killed by, yes by this individual yes the Norwegian police have charged him with uh, murder and attempted murder and terrorism charges. Yes. And um, there was a confession as well. He admitted to it. There's no suspicion it is confirmed. However, he has yeah. since refused to speak to the, the media or, sorry, the media or the police. Mm-hmm. Um, really, he refused to speak to anyone beside, uh, beside a lawyer. That's, you know, that happens when you're arrested sometimes. But uh, Yeah, that's his right. <laughs> We are aware that uh, two people were killed. He has been arrested on terror charges. You know, we were talking about how to approach this particular story in advance of today's show. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to focus on the aftermath because I think that that's where the the most powerful moments came. You know, we do want to acknowledge that on the Sunday, the Prime Minister of Norway, the Norwegian royal family, and members of the community in that area in Oslo and the gay community all went to the service at the Oslo mm. Cathedral um, to to mourn and, and pay the respects. And even though Oslo Pride had cancelled the parade as a security measure just mere hours beforehand, many, many people marched silently with pride flags, with flowers, uh, in in respect of those who had mere hours earlier had their lives taken by this act of terror in Oslo, Norway, um, and also in in a sense of defiance that you know this one action by a deranged individual was not going to rain on their parade, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's the that's the powerful piece that jumped out at me. And we're seeing a lot of compassion uh, around the world in in as people have have been considering Oslo in uh, over the weekend. But yeah, I I don't know. That's what jumped out at me most was this sort of impromptu march. They have been advised not to march again. Um, mm-hmm. The national security service in in Norway uh, there was a, a, a another sympathy march scheduled from for today time of recording. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they've they've been advised against it for security reasons, but I don't know. That's that sort of that knee jerk reaction of 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 being there and being seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something that really jumped out at me is the the police are handling it very well in a very sort of mature and sophisticated manner and they're doing it in a very similar way as to the the aftermath to the pulse nightclub shooting where what they're saying currently is please do not make any assumptions about what this means this is not necessarily an act of religious or right-wing extremism it's not necessarily an act of homophobia we are not sure yet please do not make assumptions please do not assume there are other people behind it um with pulse the shooter there admitted later on that he chose the location because he knew it would be crowded, that that was the most crowded nightclub in the city. Um, This could be something similar. And the police are saying, please do not blame any particular, you know, political disposition or religious group or anything. We do not know why this man did what he did. We do not know if there are other men behind him. And I think that that is a very, it's a very mature message to bring. Mm, we don't know if this was just a crazy person or if this is bigger. So mm-hmm. please, until further notice, 
stay calm. And I think that that is a very good message well, to have. The, the shooter in Oslo uh, in Norway has been arrested and will be held for the next few weeks prior to trial. Mm -hmm. um, we may or may not learn more information, but for now, uh, at least he is off the streets. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to be playing Cloud Nine by Reach Money featuring Tegan and Sarah, and we will be back just after this. Welcome back to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith, and uh, we have Sebastian on the line as well. And we are actually joined by Toronto area author Jeffrey Soto. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, you have a really interesting book coming out, and this follows your, your much acclaimed uh, previous book as well that uh, some folks may have heard of, Cloud Cover, a novel, and uh, the new one, Moonballer's in, this is a long title. Give me a quick second here. The Moonballers, a novel about the invasion of a LGBTQ2 plus a tennis league, dot, 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 by straight people. Uh, without giving the whole, uh, the whole game away here, uh, what's, what's the key things that uh, the listeners might be interested in with this, uh, with this book? So the book is, at the, sorry, at the end of the title of that book, it's Gay Gas. <laughs> so it's a novel about the invasion of an LGBT. Q2 plus tennis league by straight people, gay gas, um, in exclamation marks. But um, the book um, is basically about a tennis, um, uh, a queer tennis league 
um, in a uh, fictional suburban, sort of metropolitan city that has been um, mainly full of uh, queer members for many, many years. Something happens and a member, a new member joins who is straight and that causes quite an uproar within the group of tennis players and in particular, the president of the LGBTQ2 plus tennis league um, wants to drive the straight player out and wants to keep all heterosexuals out of the um, out of that league and goes to many ridiculous lengths to keep them out of there. So you know, recently I've been reading Heartstopper, the the graphic novel. I say reading; it takes me like five seconds to get through it, but I chose that one because it is a pleasant read. And in today's times, having something nice, enjoyable, um, you know, nobody dies. You know, this is this is where I'm setting the criteria for my for my reading. With that in mind, is this a pleasant read? Are there tennis related deaths that we should be aware of? Like how, you know, is it would is this an easy read for folks to pick up? Uh, I would say so. I think so. I think it's a pretty um, lighthearted read. My writing style is not very, I'm no um, like Toni Morrison or anything like that. So you don't have to worry about that. But, you know, mainly comedy, absurd comedy. Some of the more um, funny that you mentioned, like death Ooh, or anything funny. like that, tennis deaths. Or, like there's uh, anything that's kind of gruesome or whatever. And there's not that much of that. But they're all, it's all presented in the spirit of humor and uh, but respectful humor like not making in particular i'm really interested in two two parts one the main character which i think we're going to dive into first and then also the idea of this sort of radical inclusion or radical exclusion and where we're seeing that play out in in you know irl you know in 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 real spaces and uh starting first with the main character you've got a tennis club president who's determined uh, to stop undesirables, i.e., the straights in this uh, in this scenario, uh, from from uh, invading the the tennis club, you know, somebody who wants undesirables to stop invading. Now that seems somewhat familiar uh, to me. Where where did you draw that particular inspiration from? So uh, yeah, I'd mentioned like I'd been part of a gay tennis club, a queer tennis club, for many, many years back in 2003. And back then, we didn't have any straight players Ooh. in the league. And, you know, we always just kind of laughed at a little bit of like, oh, what would it, you know, it's kind of funny that, um, you know, we don't have any straight players, there's no rule against it, but nobody, no straight players have ever joined. And then I kind of thought about it and then, you know, put it away and stuff. And then in t- um, 2016, I was working on my first book, Donald Trump was elected president. The idea of some a president trying to exclude people kind of came back into my mind and then i thought oh like i i think i might have an idea for my main character um for the moonballers um someone who is trying to exclude people you know to a point where it becomes ridiculous and um because he was just kind of picked that up and sort of modeled my main character his name is stefan after him and 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 i had a a lot of fun uh, a lot of fun with with writing this, his character. Prior to the pandemic, you know, when the world of sport was one of the first things impacted uh, by the pandemic. But in the before times, you were, you know, a member of a, a t- an LGBTQ tennis league uh, in Toronto. Were you invaded by the straights? Were you, were the, were the heterosexuals popping up all over the place? Is this, uh, is this uh, autobiographical or is this just sort of an extreme of, 
of where uh, where things could have gone. Uh, it's more of an extreme version. Um, the straight the straight people didn't invade our league. They more kind of just crept in kind of thing where it's like oh we got a new member and then all of a sudden you know somebody else comes on it's like oh that's his wife and it's like what like kind of thing and there's just a lot of that and then a lot of whispering like oh my god are they good are they gonna beat us like um you know is the big straight man gonna beat us that that um kind of thing um it was not at all dramatic than what i um to what i describe in the book um but uh there was a lot of just you know laughs and sort of um maybe culture shock on both you know from straight people joining and 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 gate and you know having straight people join the league just sort of seeing i mean how do it's it's funny because like the competition is kind of the same but then it's different in other ways like there's i mean it's a lot less dramatic i would say yeah so but there's a lot of like head gate like a lot of stuff going on in people's heads but um but you know it's not yeah, the things in the book that the main character does is is uh, pretty pretty nutty. So it's not like that. <laughs> when we speak spoke with uh, you know a member in the community in Ottawa, Wanda in particular, um, it was the idea that these queer spaces were almost uh, you know a zoo attraction. In particular, hen nights where it's a a novelty to come and show up and and see the space. But I think spaces like LGBT sports teams and uh you know social gatherings outside of a club i think it speaks more to a comfort level uh in in that uh in that space so jeffrey in your experience the straight folks joining the tennis league was that out of uh you know uh, morbid voyeurism or was it uh, a sense of knowing that this league is maybe more friendly than other leagues or do you think that's what's motivated straight folks to join this particular league i think yeah i think that's definitely part of it i think like the initial people who started joining they actually came on as because they were um friends with some of the member some of the queer members of our league at, at different clubs and stuff and then they were like oh we're part of a, a queer league you should come and join so that's initially why they joined um i mean also, uh, you know, a few other members, straight members have noted that, um, you know, because the gays are, were so organized, right? So, like, just our, like, the way we run our league is very organized, um, you know, like, the, our tournaments are always, you know, like, we take care of the players and everything is on time and run, you know, and that's kind of, um, you know, important in terms of like getting play in, um, getting more matches, like, I have to say our gay league is pretty fabu fabulous of making sure that you know you get your money's worth of what you're paying because you get this many matches and everything is organized on on time, um, and I think you know the the interesting thing as well is I think there's a few people who actually admitted on both sides like some of our straight members you know thought like oh well like if I'm joining a gay league you know maybe I can maybe it'll be easier for me because these players these 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 players most of our players are men because these guys are gay and stuff maybe i can beat them kind of thing like i know even gay people like me joining that league i was just thinking oh these players are gay how good they can be kind of thing and then so they have that assumption and then the gay people with the straight people joining the gay members are like well they're just going to kill us the straight people are just going to kill us and we're never going to win tournaments again and i'll just say in both cases they've both been proved wrong like we've had straight people you know get killed by some of our gay players we have really really good queer players on our league but then um and then on the other on the other side too you know it's um you know it's 
you know, the straight people haven't just like bulldozed. Uh, there's a lot of great straight players too. And they've, you know, easily beaten some of our, some of our gay players, but some of them not. So it's like the assumption, the, all the assumptions and expectations just went all out the window. And um, it's really great because now like it's, I mean, it's not 50, 50 yet. It's definitely more, still more gay people as part of the league, but um, it's just funny because no one now everybody gets it. Like you can't assume who's going who's who's uh who's going to win because uh like it's it's all based on skill and it doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight or or what however you identify right so but when i want to zero in on the culture and you know when you have a space that is predominantly queer it changes how lgbt folks in that space interact with each other so if you've got 10 gay men in a room they're going to act very differently than if there's one gay man and nine straight men in the room. You know, it really changes the vibe in that space. And I want to kind of ask that question, you know, you mentioned it's not quite 50-50 yet, but if the ratio began to tip out of, uh, out of the majority being gay, would, would, that, would the culture of the space be something that would be you know, something that would be concerning? Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, because I used to compete in like in tennis leagues. Well, I, I'm in a part of another club that's just, you know, everybody. It's not a gay, uh, queer league. And yeah, the environment is definitely very different. But yeah, like I definitely think the, the environment would change. The funny thing about when straight people started to join um, our league was there was a lot of a lot of our gay members would be so very, very careful not to seem like they're hitting on the straight members. So mm. there was a lot of like caution. And then also the straight members would also be very kind of um, conscious about like, I'm okay, you do what I like, you know, you can be as flamboyant as you want, whatever. I'm totally comfortable with my sexuality and blah, 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 blah. So it was, I just find there was like a certain politeness that, you know, that came across, which was really nice to see. But then as you know, the, as you get friendlier with her and then it just becomes like, you know, everybody's got a potty mouth after a while, but like, you know, and then the wife is there and it's like, oh no. But then usually the wife is like, just take him. I don't care. You know, so um, <laughs> take, him off her, take him off her hands for a couple of hours. Yeah. She's like, you're, you know, you're giving him enough affection. So I don't have to. So like, it's fine, you know, so um, that worked out, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do. I did notice that like just a certain politeness and it's just nice to see after, you know, so many, we, we don't have, I mean, our activities are not as it's not as active anymore because of covid has shut some of our events down but like like as we got to know each other it's just whether straight or gay whatever the jokes are the I, jokes I do are. worry that uh you know with this particular conversation you know straight folks are going to start thinking of gay sports leagues as a husband daycare service oh no yeah i know right yeah that's true but then the i mean the guys i mean they get a lot of attention and and I don't know, they're all comfortable. They like, they love it. Oh my God, they love it so much. And it's <laughs> so nice. But it's nice to see that like we can compliment them without being predatory. So one of the things that comes to mind is, it's actually something my mother said to me a couple of times. And that is that, you know, LGBT folks have fought for so long to be included in anywhere and everywhere. You know, spaces, occupations, uh, the, you know, the ability to marry. It's where we have, as a community, been excluded for so many, many decades that a lot of our rights history is always on, a lot of our rights history is always on being included. 
So essentially, my mother has made the point, particularly around, for example, police participation in Pride. Uh, why are we fighting to keep to exclude somebody when, for most of the LGBT history, we have been fighting against exclusion? Like it seems almost hypocritical to spend so much energy fighting against, uh, you know, people being othered. Uh, to then come back and, and do the same thing. So I, I do find that that's an interesting perspective that not just my mother, but other straight folks have kind of put to me over the years, that when we're looking at queer spaces like queer sports teams, and, uh, you know, even in your book, was this one of the ideas that kind of came up in the course of writing Moonballers, the idea of of exclusion and inclusion and how that relates to our history as a queer community? Yeah, it did, it did, it did come up um, because I mean, just thinking like, um, cause like, well, in the end, you know, the, even the, the title like gay gaps, which means someone who's reading that would, would sort of think, oh, it's the person who's whoever wrote that title does not want straight people joining this league. Um, and and I, I purposely did that, but through the book, you kind of see kind of the absurdity of wh why would you exclude them? Like, it doesn't make sense kind of thing. And the yeah, so there is a battle in the, in, in the book between the main character <laughs> who wants to, you know, keep everything separate. This is a sacred queer space, he says. Um, rather than letting them in. So yeah, I did think about that and it was, you know, I, I wrote it because I wanted to show the ridiculousness of, of exclusion really. Um, and you know, it, the book comes off as a farce, but then if you apply it to some of the other um, things that are happening in, I mean, in the US and things like that, it's, you know, it's very, it's like, whoa, this is, there is exclusion still happening there. Like what's going on kind of thing. So that did come across my mind and, and I did want <laughs> to so, sort of showcase, yeah, the ridiculousness of like, you know, like why, why would this president want to keep them out when you, yeah, like he's been facing growing up, like he's had you no know, discrimination and, and all of these things against him. So um, yeah, it does, it does examine that. Well, I think, I mean, definitely the concept of having some kind of a middle ground is pretty important that, you know, there's there's a time and a place for everything. You know, there's a, a time and a place to have a man's space. There's a time and a place to have a woman's space. There's a time and a place to have a space for youth. And there's a time and a space to have a place for seniors. But like, you know, having like a, a, a an elderly women's exclusionary Tim Hortons is not going to get you anywhere. Like, that's not the time and the place for that. And I think having a space that has a policy of being particularly friendly and inclusive to people who are generally excluded. So like, I know that there are uh, curling leagues that specifically state that they will take people with disabilities. Um, curling is actually a pretty good activity for people who maybe their vision isn't so great. Maybe their, their strength isn't so great because, you know, if you can't swing the rock, you can always push the broom so long as you have the balance to skate on that weird one foot sideways thing they do. Um, they're, they're pretty inclusive for that. Uh, whereas some sports like rugby, like if you got asthma, you can't play, you know, it, it's not that they don't like you. It's just that for your own well-being. So it depends on what you're looking at. I think there's, I think people are starting to get a little bit more open-minded about when does it make sense to say, no, this is a space for blank. And I think a lot of the traditional spaces are kind of 
uh, falling apart because they're like, I don't, I don't know if this is the space for that. One of the things that I think comes up a lot in our conversations is this idea of community and creating community. We talked about lesbian potlucks a couple of uh, weeks ago about mm-hmm. you know creating a community amongst uh, amongst the uh, you know lesbians at the time. And I think that gay sports leagues do a lot of community building. We, you know, we very much want folks to take the time to 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 read your book. I, you know, it sounds like it's going to be a bit of a, a an easy read and entertaining read, and certainly tackling some of these uh, these ideas that I think uh, you know we we've, we've covered a little bit here. When I came to to I moved here from Brampton, like in, yeah, two thousand and three, many years ago, and I had like no gay friends i was also still coming up the closet and all of that stuff but i think like get groups like this as well um you know queer tennis leagues and sports leagues i think yeah there's definitely a ch- uh, like i always think of with this book idea of chosen family the book i mean it, it does mainly it does talk uh, center a lot on the main character but it's actually um there's about four or five main characters where it's bouncing from around the president and the president's kind of company and the vice president and and that um and one one resounding theme throughout all of it is the idea of chosen family um these characters some of them are a little bit estranged from their fa- their biological families their parents and i wanted to highlight the idea of you know we come you know we come to to this to these leagues to play but we actually end up forming like these life lifelong friendships my my closest friends now are are people from um the uh, gay tennis league and you know i'm so thankful for that and i didn't think that was going to happen when i joined like 20 years ago and then now i'm like i've you know now we're like uh, you know we call each other sisters and things like that and we're very close yeah like these spaces it does create some sort of home for gay athletes um just gay people in general looking for home and and i think attention that the the main the president might feel is he does feel like this straight character is not only um, an invasion of the league, but an invasion on some of the, his friendships within, because, you know, him and the vice president, there's a scene in the book where they just, they get into this big argument about like what you're, what you're hitting with him on your own time, like you're playing tennis with him on your own personal time. How could you, how dare you, how dare you hit with someone like with a straight person behind my back? Like it's kind of that. So it's like, it's ridiculous. It's kind of just funny when you hear about it, but then it's also, yeah, it's like, what is, what does it mean when you join, when you have, straight people joining in on like you know coming in on their on the friendships too and it's like not only the sports but also the friendships and um and i wanted to ex- explore that too you know for for our listeners out there the majority of whom just because the majority of canadians are straight the majority of our listeners here are straight you know i think people can empathize with with these scenarios maybe it's just because i'm in my 30s now and making new friendship groups is a challenge and, and like connecting new groups and, and making new friends, you know, in Britain, they have, you know, they've declared a, you know, a loneliness crisis. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, we struggle with here in Canada as well, a sort of a lot of isolation and these, these social groups are fantastic way of, of combating that. I I hope that many people will pick up the book and, and give it a read. The book is called The Moonballers, a novel about the invasion of an LGBTQ2 plus tennis league by straight people, gay gasp. How would you do the gay gasp? I've, been, I've, been, I've, I've, gay looked, gasp? I've seen it. 
Yeah, it's, I, I want to hear your best. There we go. That's it. <gasps> yeah, it's like that. Yeah, double. You can do a double, um, like a like a. a <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I watch a lot of telenovelas for that. Like I love I love dramatic telenovelas. You know. Oh man, Luke and I used to watch those together. Remember that? Oh, And I'm Sebastian. And uh, we don't have a huge amount of time. We had a great conversation there with Jeffrey Soto with his uh, with his great book. But we have been monitoring a, a number of stories. We talked a few weeks ago um, about uh, the impact of the Supreme Court decision uh, on Roe v. Wade and how that might impact uh, other major key legislation. Uh, we don't have time to get into that just yet. Mm. I also wanted to mention that uh, the Disney movie um, Lightyear has been banned in about 14 countries. Uh, oh, yes. Actually, you I can look it this. up, the clip that's caused it to be banned. And uh, essentially, there's a sort of a montage of, of one of the characters and 
you know, there's a woman in the background and then there's a small child and the child is older in the next clip and then older again and the, the child is a man that has his own his own partner and uh, at the end of it, the two women kiss and it's like, clearly it's like a funny dynamic and it's like, no, that's really sweet. It's like mm -hmm. two seconds of a thing. Mm -hmm. And 14 countries have banned Lightyear, the Disney movie, uh, because of this. You know, the kiss, I think, really demonstrates the, the sort of intimacy of that family unit. Uh, 14 countries and an Oklahoma cinema. I should uh, uh, not one, one singular one singular cinema in Oklahoma got into some hot waters because they were in Kingfisher, Oklahoma. They put up a notice saying, "Attention, parents! The management of this theater discovered after booking Lightyear that there is a same-sex kissing scene with a, within the first thirty minutes of the movie. We will do all that we can to fast-forward through that scene, but it might not be exact." Because, uh, of course, you know, Disney notorious for turning people gay for decades. Yeah, I um, saw that that poster. Yeah. The, the weird thing is, like, I'm kind of surprised. And this is my my cynicism towards Disney that they didn't have like a conservative cut because they did that with Star Wars. Famously, they had they had a cut that they could sell overseas where they cut out certain things from the background or they reshot scenes so that they could, you know, repackage it for overseas. Um, some of that's, you know, cultural consideration and some of it's just they want those dollars and they, they don't want it banned. And I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do that with Lightyear. Uh, maybe they're standing by something now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, they, were go they got into a lot of hot water recently about not standing for anything and then uh, they fall <laughs> for anything, which I yeah, think yeah, is yeah. also a lyric in Hamilton, which you can find on Disney+. Plus. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, next week we have a lot, of, a lot of things to talk about we didn't get to on this week's show. We hope you will join us again. I have been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. <laughs>